Um, man, I'm just excited. I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm excited about what God's doing in my life. A lot of times, I've shared this many times. Um, uh, people ask me, like, what's been the biggest thing you've learned on this journey planting a church? It's that, that God wanted to do so much work in me. He wanted to do so much work in me, and that's it's literally the best part. No offense. No offense, but I, like what God has done in me in the past five years since we moved to this city uh, has been amazing, and I'm so thankful for that. And I don't think that's a, a bad thing to cherish what God is doing in your life. I think it's a really good thing. I love to see what God's doing in your life. It pumps me up. It keeps me going, to be honest, just seeing just the life change that's happening all across this room in your life, in your relationship with God, in your marriages, in your friendships with one another, seeing you really make new friends. It's like, man, this is cool. Like, this is why we, we moved to the city, but um, you can't take away what God's done in my life, and that's just a, a special part I cherish. And so, hey, if you're new here, checking this place out, and maybe it's just all a little bit new for you, uh, we're glad you're here. Hope that this feels like a place you can grow in faith and family, and we just want to tell you, welcome, welcome home. Hope it feels like that. Today, we've got DNA session one uh, right after service, so if you haven't been through that, We'd love to invite you for some free lunch and some, some hangs to hear kind of more about the story and what we believe and kind of where God's taken us in these coming years. And uh, if you've been with us uh, here in the past month, we've been walking through this series called Rhythms that's really about spiritual seasons that I see throughout the scriptures, things like dry seasons, some of those that we were self-induced, others that God had to get us there in order to... I think about the Israelites, they had to go on some dry land, go through a dry season, a short season, albeit, to get to the other side, to the promised land, and what God had for them there. Sowing seasons, watering seasons, what are you doing? That was a good uh, title there, Hannah, that was awesome. (laughs) Last week, Lee taught, what are you doing? So good, there were so many good things that while we're watering, we don't see the fruit on top, got the root structures developing, such a good takeaway for us. And then this morning, uh, I want to talk to you about the pruning seasons, uh, the heart, that's the heart, some of the hard seasons of life. Maybe they're not a dry season, it's, it's just hard, there's some pruning, there's some guidance, there's some correction that God's bringing into our life. I grew up about 30 minutes from Disney, how many of you guys like Disney, yeah? It's like, it's like a one or an other, there, there is no in-between, there's no indifference towards Disney, you love it or you hate it. Um, there, there's just not a lot of indifference. Like, I hate the lines. I hate the Florida heat. And so um, we, we grew up going a lot, of course, living a half hour. Like every field trip was to Disney. And every little vacation we get, weekend trip, it was to, to Disney. And so that was all fun. One of the things that, even as a little kid and now going back with my family, I think is just amazing. I'm just in awe of is the artwork that's in the gardens. That's just, I love that, like the characters and just how they treat them. And I found out these things are called topiaries. Some of these are images that you're seeing are, um, you know, from Disney. Other ones are just all over the world. And uh, I I just think these are just incredible in just the way they shape them and how much attention to detail it takes in every kind of nook and and cranny, if you will, of these uh, pieces of vegetation and landscaping. It's just amazing. There's so much to be kept up with. And I re- you really see, man, these people are more than just gardeners. They're like artists, the way they handle these things. They're called topiaries. If you are listening through podcasts, you know, you could look up Google amazing topiaries and see what we're talking about. But uh, I just always think I've been compelled by this kind of beautiful artwork that's in 
nature. Like some of these are just incredible. Like these world, like that's just awesome. And so it's basically a topiary is just creating it into an ornamental shape that's beautiful. And, and we see throughout the scriptures that the way God looks at us is like we're his masterpiece. Sometimes there's metaphors like he's the potter and we're the clay. And here in Ephesians chapter 2, we see this, and I'm using the New Living Translation, but it says this, that we are God's masterpiece. Like if you've ever wondered how God views you, right, and this is foundational to everything in this life, how we view God is everything, okay? And so if you're running into some things, like make sure you have a pure view of God and not some kind of jacked up, jaded view of God. Because this is what Paul says to the church at Ephesus, that we're his masterpiece. And many times we, we're constantly looking at everyone else and thinking that they've got a little masterpiece that we wish. No, like God looks at each one of us. He didn't create us alike on purpose. The world does not need two Kyle Nelsons, despite what my wife thinks. We could use so many more people. No, I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. I'm just kind of, but I'm buttering my own toast there, right? Um, he, he, he loves us individually in that we are each individually his masterpiece and God's careful concern for us. And he's created us in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he's planned for us long ago. You ever think many times we just dream, what does God have for me? I'd love to see this fruit this harvest, I have this dream. I believe that God could use me in this and then we just maybe shove it aside and we start viewing everybody else's masterpiece. But just know you're in process and a part of that process is pruning. Like I, I love, we went to, um, actually I think it was this past December that we went down and did the ice thing. Was that this past December? Or was that, so um, down at the Gaylord Palms, you all blessed us, a team here that was just wanted to bless us, I guess, for Christmas. It was like a little pastor appreciation type thing. Um, sent us to the ice deal down at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando, and we had never been there, but it was so cool. It was like all Snoopy themed, but it just starts with this big block of ice, and then they shape it. These people that have like come from China and all over these world-renowned people, they come and they shape this ice in these incredible masterpieces. Like if you're into shit, it's like sculpted ice. It's like masterpieces. It's incredible. And what I want to highlight about this scripture is that God has created for us, like he's planned things for us to do. And many times we kind of get the good works things out of perspective and like we have that social justice bone that rises up and like that's amazing, like that's good, but our, our ambition doesn't come from a place to do good, it's that he is good and has been good to us and, and, the, and then the gospel flows out into our actions, it's not the other way around. So we can create our own kind of social justice gospel, but we shouldn't do that because the gospel in itself is social. Like it, it reaches out. It reaches out to the broken, the hurting, the lost. And so I, I don't want us to get that misconstrued. And so this, let's use this as just kind of a, a pretext before we, we land here in John chapter 15. And this is where I want to kind of lay the foundation, um, foundational text for our time together today um, because I believe that God's really going to use this. I, I would encourage you, if you've got the Bible app, um, don't worry about taking notes. You can if you want, if you've got fresh things, but I've got so many notes on this version app that you're not going to be able to keep up, and I promise you there's going to be something along the way. You're like, man, I need to write that down fast. And I've got way more on there than what I can ever get out in the time we share today. 
Um, but anyway, feel free to check that out. Go to more events in Fathom. We'll pop right up. You can even do that this week while you're studying and catching up. It'll be up for a week. So um, we're going we're gonna to jump in here at John chapter 15. And John is different from in the way he writes from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the first three books in the New Testament are known as synoptic gospels, sin to be seen, optic, to be seen together. That's what it means. They're chronologically written. John writes more thematically and used a little more literary in his experience in, in following Jesus and in watching Jesus' life, how he puts those things together. So not everything's chronological. So he's got some motifs that run throughout his book, and I think it will help us lay this foundation for where we're going in John 15. One of those motifs is the quote-unquote I am statements. John uses seven uh, what are known as I am statements, and I think we have those up there, and we're going to be landing on the very last one, I'm the true vine. And he's using this kind of, Jesus is talking about this. He says that I'm the bread of life, I'm the light of the world, I'm the gate or the door, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the resurrection and the life, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And... Um, and I'm the true vine, which is where we're going to spend our time here in John 15. But that's not the only motif. He also um, has one that begins in chapter 1, verse 38, because he begins the whole book, his whole gospel, with this idea that Jesus has eternally existed. Like when we see Jesus into, enter the world, like it, it wasn't like an afterthought, but Jesus has eternally existed existed from the very beginning. In the beginning was the word, is how he begins it, meaning Christ. And so he goes on to, like, goes on to say that like, this relationship and God coming to earth was indeed, was not a religious thing, that God is not just a judge who is going to grant us forgiveness and give us mercy, and he wasn't just a watchmaker who got the clock started and then just released it to its own devices. But in fact, he is one who has entered into relationship with us. And the Greek word that, he, that John uses is this word meno, M-E-N-O. And he uses it over and over again in his gospel beginning in verse 38 of chapter 1. And by the time we get to chapter 15, between verses 4 and 10, he uses it like nine or ten times in like four or five verses, like five verses. So he's just like, get it, get it, get it. Abiding with me. This is about relationship with God who's come to earth and who will return again. It's about dwelling or abiding in Christ. And so let's let that be the foundation as we read John chapter 15 for us here. And Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He's using this metaphor to, to, to teach us something. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Remember that. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Many times we just think he's pruning the dead ones, but he also prunes the ones that are bearing fruit so that it can bear more fruit. That shapes our perspective a little bit. Verse 3, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So remain in me as I also remain in you because no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Again, mino, 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 mino. Abide, abide, abide. You're not good on your own. Let's continue. Verse five. Uh, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. I believe that's a promise of God. You will bear much fruit if you do this. 
if you remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, they're thrown into the fire and burned. And if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Can I just be real with you? And I think that over the next like six weeks, God's going to be giving us lots of opportunities and challenging us to show that we're his disciples. Not that we talk about it, not that we attend church, but that we live it and that we act like it. And that comes from a place of realizing how good he has been to us and abiding with him. And so I just believe like today is just going to be a launch for some of us that maybe we haven't been abiding in Christ like we used to or like we wish we could. And and I don't know how to give you all the steps right now in this moment, but I just believe that God's going to stir up affections for him that like, man, the scriptures intimidate me, but I want, I want to know. So I'm just going to push through the awkwardness of like sitting here with the scriptures and I'm going to ask some leader and I'm just going to press in. I don't know what it means to sit in silence before the Lord and pray and worship. And this is awkward for me and it's only going to last about five minutes and it feels like eternity, but I'm going to press in. Like, I just feel like there's going to be some of that happening in our body. And then it's going to come to a place where it's, we go into this next series that's called how to neighbor and like how to be the body of Christ and how to um, show ourselves as his disciples. There's so much here. Again, the metaphor, Jesus is the true vine. The father is the gardener or the branches. And the fruit is, maybe the fruit of the spirit is is probably the easiest thing. Love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, those types of things, a, a righteousness in our life. A righteousness that this text tells us is to the Father's glory. So I want to kind of define this idea of pruning. Because it's described, I feel like, in many terms. But I want to kind of go to another layer with it. And just give you a very clear definition for what I believe spiritual pruning is. Spiritual pruning is the correction and guidance of God. That is for our healing, health, hope, and a harvest for his glory and for our good. It's the correction and guidance of God. Very simple. It's the correction and guidance of God. That's what pruning is. And then these are the outcomes that happen with that. Hope, health, healing, I want to get into a couple different things as we talk about this. I, began, I did a lot of research on pruning. It was really interesting what I learned in our tools here at the church. These are the church pruning tools. Um, they're different sizes. They're different shapes. They're for different size branches. Um, and, they, you know, there's little hand pruners, too. I think we've got a big pole one. That was just going to be a little bit too much. Take somebody's eye out with it. It's pretty dangerous looking. Um, but there's different tools required, and so in just a moment, we're going to talk about the how, how God prunes us. What kind of tools does God use to prune our lives? And I'm not talking about pruning when you've been in the pool or the bathtub too long, right? We're talking about, yeah, ornamental and spiritual pruning here. Before we get into the how, I want to talk about the why. I think understanding the why is, 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 is huge, it shapes our perspective when we understand there's a purpose, right? We can walk through a painful season if we know there's a purpose to it, that we can see God's hand at work, or 
If we, even when we, we don't, we don't know what God is doing, we trust who he is. And that's the first thing I want to talk to you about in this why. What you have to know why God prunes us is because he loves you and because he loves me. That's the, that's the first reason that Jesus or that, that God prunes us is because he loves us. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6 tells us that God corrects and he disciplines the ones he loves. Parents in the room, do you discipline your kids because you hate them? No. Do you discipline them because you're angry? Probably sometimes, but not, that's not the right reason, right? Um, we discipline them because we love them. And in fact, the author of Hebrews goes on to tell us that if you're not being disciplined, if you're not being corrected, you're, you're kind of like a bastard child. So it's a sign of God's love for you when he disciplines you and correction. And when we begin to understand that, we don't shy away from correction. We, we like, hey, like, point it out, right? It's like the difference on when you've been in a job, like on the first day, and we're super tender to correction. Yeah, yeah, just tell me how to do it, and I'll do everything, as opposed to when you've been in the job for 10 years, and then someone comes and tells you how to do it. A lot of us, that's kind of where we're at in our faith. Maybe we've been walking a few years, and, and correction is a little bit harder for us now than it was in the beginning. And we think we've got to figure it out, but God's wanting to, to first of all, tell us that he loves us, and that's why he dis, uh, disciplines and corrects and guides us. Because we've got dead branches still on us, um, harvest is going to follow health. It's natural. When you abide in him, it's going to follow that, that healthy relationship with Christ. And then so that we might bear fruit, as the text tells us. And in verse 16 in chapter 15 tells us, it goes on to say that it's not just fruit. Not just flesh, earthly fruit. No, eternal fruit that lasts, that survives. Like, I don't know about you, but fruit's kind of a frustrating thing um, in our house at times. Like, fruit flies are like the most annoying thing ever, aren't they? You guys ever get fruit flies in your house? They're just so obnoxious. But, like, it's hard to, like, gauge, like, what's, is everybody going to eat apples this week? Is everybody going to eat the bananas? Like, what, like, and with kids, it's like, sometimes we eat 12 bananas in two days, and then other times we eat one all week between all of us. Like, what the world? Um, and so it's hard to gauge, but God tells us, Jesus tells us here in this text, that I'm going to give you fruit that's going to last. It's not temporary. It's not shifty. It's just going to last. And so that's the why. Let's flip over real quick, and let's talk the how. And then we're going to talk about some of the different stages that God leads us into. The how, again, there's different instruments. As I was learning on this stuff, it was really interesting. Um, I didn't know this, but when you prune, it's important. Like good, good pruners only prune about a quarter of a branch at a time. They don't lop the whole thing off. They don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as the old adage goes. Just a quarter at a time. And I want you to think about that for just a second in your own life. Maybe that issue with insecurity. When you came to know Christ and you've been battling insecurity your whole life about your body image or about the way you talk or about what, you know, how smart you are or where you grew up or whatever, the insecurity. And then, like, in Christ, man, a quarter of that came off. And, and we believed and, like, we said, man, my identity in Christ has been changed out with the old, in with the new but then I just found myself wrestling with it. And then there began to be some things that revealed themselves that there's still some dead things on this. And like, there goes my insecurity again. And in that season, something happens and God gets to take another quarter off. And I don't know that it's just four times. Some of those things are lifelong pursuits. But God just takes it off a little bit at a time. Sometimes he'll just take it and remove it and cut off 
certain things in our life, but sometimes it's just little by little, he's taking us deeper and deeper to get us healthier and healthier and giving us a deeper hope and deeper harvest and deeper foundation for his character. What are the tools God uses? The first two tools he uses is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. These, I believe that these go in order of sharpest to weakest tools. Have you, if you've ever taken one of these and tried to use a, an old blade that you don't use often, but it's been out in the shed and you go to cut something, it's like, it's so difficult and by the time you get done with it, it's all jacked up and like, man, that didn't go well. And like, got a full workout and like, my pecs are sore by the end of it. Um, right, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are the sharpest tools in the shed. The further we go down, the more dull the tools are. And we can prevent ourselves from getting to a lot of these trials, to a lot of these dry seasons, by being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what God is saying to us. Jesus said in John chapter 16, just the next chapter, he said, look, it's good for you that I leave because the comforter will come, the paraclete, he's gonna come alongside you He's going to comfort you, he's going to empower you, and he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to convict you of sin. He's going to guide you into all truth. That's what the Holy Spirit is here for about Christ. And then secondly, 2 Timothy um, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, that the word of God is as sharp as a two-edged sword. And it's good for correction and rebuke, and it's, it's good for us. And some of us, like I think all of us, like we've made it to the fourth tool many times, more times than what we'd like to admit. But being close to the word of God and sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our life can prevent us from getting all the way down there. And, God, and God's going to use all of these in all of our life. So it is like there's no preventing it ever from happening. Like that's, that's a joke. God uses that. Ask Job. He used that. <laughs> um, through our relationships is the second one. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, as iron sharpens iron, so one man slash woman um, sharpens another. Like there is something when we sharpen one another. God uses relationships. We say around here a lot. No disciple walks alone. Jesus didn't send them out one by one. He sent them out two by two. That we're supposed to be doing life together, and not just in rows, but in circles. And God uses those relationships. It's really easy when you're in your cubicle or you're working at home to believe you're patient. But, you, but until you get out and you're driving in traffic, you are reminded, I'm not so patient. <laughs> you know, it, it's easy to think that you were long-suffering is the, what the King James text. It's easy to think that until you have to deal with like Frank's coffee breath. And then you're like, I don't want to be so long-suffering anymore, right? It's through our relationships that God refines us and sharpens us and prunes us. It's through spiritual authorities, Ephesians chapter 4, Apostle Paul goes on when he's talking about where the masterpiece of God in chapter 2 by chapter 4, he says that Christ himself, God himself gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the, the shepherds, the, the evangelists, the teachers, he gave them to the local body, the church, so that they could be equipped for what? For good works just like he was talking about in chapter 2, for good works, that God gives spiritual authority for your good. And then the last one is trials. James 1, 2 through 4 is always just, right, just a big high text for us. Consider it pure joy when you face trials. That's tough, right? That's just tough. That takes deep maturity. 
and understanding that God loves you and that even when he has brought you into a trial, even when you're in the middle of the valley, God is good (laughs) and it is for my good and I'm not questioning the character of God just because I'm walking through a trial. That's, That's the depth of maturity that we grow in as we get bigger and bigger and longer in this thing. Hopefully we get to that place and we can say something like James said there in chapter one. So I woke up um, Tuesday morning super duper early, like 3 a.m. in the morning. And it was like the faucet, or like the, the fire hydrant is probably more direct. And I just lean over and just start typing on my phone as fast as I can because God's just like giving much of what we were going to talk about this morning. And I ended up finding myself on, the, as I'm just asking some questions to myself like about this pruning thing, I find myself on the National Arbor Day Foundation website. If you're following on the U version at the very bottom, the link is there. Um, and I find myself on this website learning about techniques to properly prune a tree. And it was, to say that I received a lot of revelation in that moment is an understatement. And, and I don't, that's why I put all the notes on U version because I want you to be able to go back and digest this. And we're going to talk about it as we go forward. That there are God prunes differently, and different things are needed in different stages. And this isn't all linear. I think there's ways in which we we go back, and we find ourselves looping here in some degrees. Just as I said, with the seasons of, you know, dry seasons, sowing, watering, pruning, harvest, they're not all linear. Like, we can actually have them stacked. Like, we can be harvesting in one area and in a dry season in another area. So it's not linear. It's just kind of this understanding, depth of understanding of what God's doing in different areas of our life. And maybe when they start to line up, it becomes like a bigger picture that God's trying to share. But I want to talk to you about these life stages. For some of you that maybe you've just been walking with the Lord maybe for 10 years or so, or under, we're going we're gonna to talk through maybe the first three years of your walk for God. I feel like God gave me just some direct revelation off of this stinking Arbor Day website that I think is just going to speak to you. And as you read these, I think God's just going to give you maybe even more than what I'm giving you here. So I want to talk about the first three years. And, and if you are in a place or, or where you're a d- disciple maker, we're following Jesus, yes and amen, but we're also understanding that we are called to come around one another, all of us, to be disciple makers. Um, maybe you can even see some of this through a discipleship lens. So in the first three years, what the National Arbor Day Foundation says are the most important things are there in yellow and then kind of some of my thoughts, and I've got a lot more on the e-version. Um, zero to three years, you got to prune the branches first that compete with the leader. Early on in our walk with God, we got to get first things first. What's in my life that I, is actually in charge? Is it, is it God? Is it my relationship with Christ? Is that the leader? Is that the foundation? Or is it my love for money? Or is it my, uh, my pursuit of this ideal career? Is that really guiding my ship? Or is it love for Jesus, whatever you have for me in this life, take me as high as you want, bring me as low as you want? Is it that? that that's the first branch. Anything that's coming up and is, is competing with the leader needs to be pruned away. And so maybe you're in your first few years of walking with the Lord. And, and I think that's an ongoing pursuit. But I think as you'll see it actually gives us some different lenses to talk about this as we move on. Secondly, we got to prune the branches that are broken. God needs to prune the branches that are broken. 
Something's happened in this life. A storm's come through at some point in our life and broken off some branches. This is the, God just said, that's the pain. That's the unforgiveness. That's some, any unhealed areas in our life. This first few years, God's going to be working, and maybe you're just in a new season of recommitment, and God is speaking some things that are broken in you, and you thought you dealt with them a long time ago, but man, realizing here they are again, and I didn't deal with them, and the branch is still hanging, it's still broken, and we kind of find ourselves really what we, God was trying to deal with us probably in the first few years we've been letting go, or maybe he was just taking a quarter off at a time, and he's just taking it deeper to get us healthier Swollen from insects is what the website said. I was like, what, God? What does that mean? I wasn't, and I wasn't stretching here. God said the outside influences that are in our life. Think about this. In your walk with the Lord, in the first, in the early stages, right, you probably had to cut off some relationships with people. They were unhealthy for your life. You loved them. You didn't stop loving them. You didn't have to stop being friends, but we couldn't hang out every weekend, and we couldn't hang out getting drunk every weekend, right? Like, it's like that, that relationship had to change a little bit, <laughs> Um, I had to get some of these insects out because they were killing the branch. They were killing the branch. So it's these unhealthy relationships, ungodly um, generational habits. Maybe it's that anger issue that's been with you. It's been passed down. Your grandpa had anger issues. Your dad had anger issues. Now you've got anger issues. Maybe it was sexual promiscuity and your grandma, you know, uh, got pregnant when she was 14, which mine did, and, you know, and then it got passed down, and then it got passed down again, now three generations later, and, like, we're, we're all just kind of driven by our, our love for, for sex, right? Maybe it's something like that that's been passed down. Maybe it's something else that's been an outside influence that's infested our spiritual journey. The last one said, remove tree tags, and God was like, man, that's the old identity. That's the shame. That's the stuff that was tagged on us. Man, you're stupid. You'll never amount to anything. Sometimes we overlook some of those things that, that happened to us when we were little kids, and I'm not doing this big geniogram thing today, but it sounds like it in this moment. But man, there's some deep stuff that happened to us, and we didn't even realize that we were carrying weights and old identities, but there's some tree tags that it's not, you're not that anymore. You're a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. You're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. you knew. new. So any tree tags, God's got to take off in those first few years, right? And I think for those of you that have been walking with the Lord even much longer than that, like you, you can say, you know what? I've had to come back and address some things in year seven that were competing with the leader. I had to address some, some insects that had got in, and I didn't even realize they were insects, I didn't even realize my anger issue was an insect. It was an outside generational thing that had been passed on. I didn't even realize it. And remove these tree tags. Right? God's revealing stuff off a sneaking National Arbor Day Foundation website. And it was just amazing. And like it just gets deeper and deeper. And it just hits at so many different levels. And you can see how all this plays into John chapter 15. Let's look at it. Just move just a, a little bit more. Like years three to four. In the first stage, like it's really important, they say, to keep as much leaf coverage as possible. In the second stage here, um, the root growth should be developed, right? The roots should be setting in. There should be a deep understanding about what grace is in our life. There should be a deep understanding that God has a plan for my life. There should be a deep understanding that he wants to make me whole and holy to be more like him. There should be that understanding but man, there's some things that creep in. Some things they call root suckers. Right? 
There's some things that suck away from our relationship with God. Also sprouts in the crown. God just began to speak deeply about that. That's these pride issues. It's these pride issues that we've wrestled with in our life where we're, we're taking glory for ourselves. And man, look at all the good things that I did and I'm so proud of myself. And, like, and what we're really doing, if we've got these root suckers that are actually taking glory from God and we didn't realize it, or these sprouts in the crown and we're really kind of excited about it and they've kind of popped up and like, I'm a, I'm a good Christian, like what are you talking about? I go to church and like, I do this, this, I do this, I do this. No, no, you've actually got some sprouts in your crown, like you didn't realize that like you're planted in Christ and not in, in yourself. And you're actually, what you, what you don't realize is you're actually kind of on a slippery slope here where your crown's not going to be so graceful anymore. Thin out excessive branches to reduce competition for light, water, and nutrients. I'm not making this stuff up, but you can see it like immediately. Like, these are good things that compete with the best things. Like we get into the, this stage and like we're walking with the Lord and I mean it's not a matter of like do I want to do good or do I want to do bad. Like maybe the desire's not there as much to do bad, but I'm having to weigh this thing of like what's best versus what's good, Right? The promotion sounds cool. It's a good opportunity, but it's, it's, it's going to cost me another 25 hours, and, and I'm struggling to, to spend time with my kids now. Um, I mean, I, I like the idea of getting a raise and then making me a manager, but it's going to keep me out of church for the foreseeable future. Man, that's it's tough. It's a good opportunity, but is it is the best for the nourishment of our soul and our spirit. We've got to thin out these excessive ones where we got just too much. God's calling us to this simple walk with him. Remove a co-dominant leader. In, in the beginning, like, we, we're like, oh, no, 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 nothing before you, God. But then, like, after a while, like, we just didn't realize that thing we kind of love. We've always had an issue. It just kind of creeps up. We're like, oh, I don't, love, I don't love money more than God. Come on, I don't love money. That's money's money. Sorry, I'm just talking to my, you know how that goes. But in our actions, like in our thought process, mentally, emotionally, let's be, realized, let's be real, we're actually acting like it's a co-dominant leader. Like we're saying it's not, we don't believe it is, but in our actions, like we've actually allowed some things to be co-dominant leaders. Eliminate branches that grow in an undesired direction. God was like pursuits that don't honor me. We get excited about something, we get opportunities, and we start running in these directions that we're just excited, and like, God's going to go with me, and yes, but like, did you, did you pray about it? Like, not pray about it selfishly, God, like, tell me what I want to hear kind of prayer, but like, did you say, God, this is not what you want, I'm down with that. Like, I had three things come into my brain last year, they were, I felt like they were God pursuits, all of them. Um, it wasn't going to change anything about what I did here. Um, it would change maybe four or five hours of how I spent my week, that type of thing. They're going to ministry things. Had three of them. I was talking about them with Sarah. And we were praying about them. Some of them were going to take major fundraising and different projects. And I just had to pray. God, I know some of these things I want to do. I think you want me to do all of them. But I know I can't do all of them. So shut me down on the undesired pursuit. That's not you or it's not you in this season. 
So we've got to eliminate the branches that grow in undesirable direction. And it's not even bad directions. It's just the wrong direction sometimes. And we've got to remove narrow angled branches. These are non-kingdom mindset where we start to build our own little kingdom. And we're not thinking about the kingdom. And it's not about the kingdom anymore where it's about God's glory. But it's, it's become something far different. Is this hitting anywhere, like with anybody? Like, are you seeing this in your own life in this season or in previous seasons? Or maybe somebody you're mentoring and, and, and you're in this place and like they're at like six months into this thing or two weeks into this thing and it's like, man, I can see that. We got some competing with the leader issues. We've got some broken things that God's doing. If you're anything like me, like I'm, I still deal with these things. I just confess, like I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. But like I, I, I had some three to four year things that like, man, they're going to be lifelong pursuits of the pruning. Let's look just a little bit further. We're going to take this thing all the way to 15 years and beyond. We'll skip. Don't worry. We'll skip from five to seven, and we'll go to 15 here in just a minute. Five to seven years. I didn't make up a single one of these yellow ones. That's why I gave you the link so you could know. I just took these, and just God just spoke. Um, the, the, what needs to be pruned in years five through seven are the lower limbs need to be pruned off to raise the bottom well out of the way of human heads. These are weak areas that are affecting other people in a negative way. We've got influence, and the, and the bottom's being raised. Sometimes, some of you that lead organizations, these are weak team members, weak leaders that need to be shifted because their weak areas are nailing people in the head. It's got to be raised up. We, we got this beautiful tree. It's been going five to seven years now, and, and we're going to have some issues. These weak areas are, are somebody's going to be walking under, trying to get shade under the tree, trying to grab some fruit of your faithfulness and your fruit that God has blessed you with as you've abided and dwelt in him. They're kind of getting shade, but instead they turn around and they get nailed on the head because of a weak area that's been unaddressed in your life. You need to cut back a few. God's got to come in and cut back a few of the higher up branches so they don't protrude above the graceful outline of the crown. I just thought that was so deep. These are areas of success in previous seasons. Now we have pride in them. Now we're so proud of ourselves. And, and if we're not careful, like, we're getting the glory. And, like, it, it's like that one hair, like alfalfa style. Like, it's just popping up. And we don't notice it, but it's, but it's up and everybody else does. Like, you can't avoid that one hair. So even when that, that hair was what held it together in the previous season, now it's just an eyesore. And it's, it's messing up the graceful outline of the crown. I think that could be organizational too. Like, like people that have had success in one area and now, come on, you can probably see these in the companies and the organizations you work for. They've been successful and now they think they're all that and it's kind of messing up the whole team vibe, right? Organizationally. The last one on this, in this stage, inspect the tree to see if you need to remove a branch here or there. God just began to speak this. There is a need for introspection. To sit with God. Be submitted under leaders. Be submitted to one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, so that we can see, hey, maybe there's something I've missed. Maybe there's a branch in here that I didn't realize it was infested. I didn't realize there was this issue going on. I didn't even realize that broken thing. But, I, but when you said that, it got me thinking this whole week. And man, now I'm kind of stern with that. It's just this, it's this 
thing that God spoke just about introspection and being submitted to one another and letting God speak. And then the last one, and then the last one is in years 15 and beyond. It hit me as I was reading this. I've, my, I, I felt like God planted some seeds early on as I was a part of a church community. But I felt like my relationship with Christ began to be planted when I was 15 years old and began to understand that. And like everything that was in first, the first uh, three and four and seven years was dead on for me. Um, and it hit me as I was looking at this. I've been walking with the Lord a little more than 15 years now. And that just kind of hit me. I'm like, whoa, dude, that's a long, that's a long time, I feel like. For me, at least. I just hadn't thought about that in a long time. How long have you been walking with the Lord? And it just hit me. We're in all these different seasons and stages in our life. You get to 15 beyond. Like, you, you've been walking with the Lord. Like, you, you should be a mature tree. It's not, depends how receptive you've been to the tools, right? Depends how sharp the tools have been. Have you been using just the, the weak ones, just allowing every trial that comes through and like whatever. And actually, if that's all you ever use, not the other, you, you don't have a firm foundation on the perspective of God and, and your tree's probably more jacked up than what you realize. So we've got to be sensitive to the sharp tools of God. But in this season, you're equipped to handle more than what you think. You, you, you are. If you've been walking with God 15 years and beyond, like you're, you can handle a, a hurricane that comes through. And there's probably still going to be some branches that break off and it feels like you kind of go back into season one, stage one with this. And like, I've got to care for this broken area that didn't happen, but then I got fired and then I was out of work for nine months. And then here we are, I've been in depression for eight months. But we're equipped, like over time, like the roots are there. God loves us and so he's pruning and we're equipped to handle these extreme conditions. And we're equipped to offer fruit to those around us that are just starving for just a picture of who God is. And just a thought that He exists and that He loves them. And, and, and maybe just the fruit of the Spirit in your life of faithfulness and goodness and self-control and patience is just going to drop off. They're going to be walking by. And the limb's not going to smack them in the head they're just going to pick up that. And it's just going to be a sweet taste of who God is because you slow down and we're patient with them and listen to them and we're just involved and present in their life. And God wants to take you into a new season too. And there's always going to be this ongoing process of maintenance in our walk with God, always. And I think this kind of speaks to me about like seasonal retreats. Like I think the longer you've worked with God, the more and the more and the more you just need quiet time because we just kind of get comfortable and God's never finished. He's never finished with us. He loves us too much to leave us where we're at. It's for our good. It's for his glory. And God wants to do something in us today.